I'm Dr. Brian Goldman, host of the CBC podcast, The Dose. Each week, we answer vital health questions that will help you thrive, like, what does my mental health have to do with my gut? How can I prevent melanoma? How much sleep do I really need? And how can I manage my health without a family doctor? I chat with the top experts to bring you the latest evidence in plain language, all in about 20 minutes. Find The Dose on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Saroja Coelho. Welcome to Checkup's Ask Me Anything podcast. Today, that means you're about to hear our AMA about invasive group A strep. Health authorities are sounding the alarm tonight. Across Canada, cases of invasive streptococcus A soared to record highs last year. Well, there's no cause for panic. Most of these cases are mild. But when strep goes downhill, it happens fast. Because we've had a significant respiratory viral season with COVID, RSV and influenza, all those things can also increase the risk of group A strep becoming more invasive. Parents are encouraged to get their child assessed immediately if they have a prolonged fever, rash or trouble waking up. Canada is seeing a record number of cases of invasive group A strep. You've probably heard of strep throat, but this is a more serious infection involving the same bacteria. And although many cases can still be mild, the infection has been fatal in some cases. Public Health Ontario reported 48 deaths between October and December of 2023, including six children. New Brunswick saw 10 deaths in 2023 and already two this year. B.C., Quebec, and Manitoba have also seen a rise in cases. And all of this is on top of the regular respiratory virus season. That's our focus for our Ask Me Anything today. Our AMA guest is Dr. Fatima Kakar. She is a pediatric infectious diseases specialist at St. Justine Hospital. She's also an associate professor in pediatrics at the University of Montreal. Dr. Kakar answered your questions about group A strep. Here are a few highlights from the show. Dr. Kakar, thank you so much for joining us. I'm happy to be here. Why don't we begin with some of those headlines that we're seeing? Record numbers of cases of group A strep. Can you put some of that into context for us? How prevalent is group A strep right now? So it is very common right now. And I'll be honest and say that we've had more this past year than we've had pretty much in any previous year that I have on record. And I'll say that it's been constant since about last fall. So usually in group A strep, we have seasonal peaks. It follows a respiratory virus. But we saw cases heading straight into the summer. And then we saw this, this new peak end of fall um, into the early December, January months. So it is much more common um, than we've seen in previous years. And there's just much more hospitalized severe cases than we've seen previously. Um, another number that is jumping out at me when I'm reading about this, invasive group A strep, this this number is actually really, really scary, and I, I'm hoping we can put it into context, kills one in 10 people who contract it. That seems like an enormous percentage. That's according to data obtained by CBC News. How serious is invasive group A strep? And I guess part of the really important part of that question is the the people who contract it. So maybe we need to understand how easy it is to contract it. And is that 10% fatality number correct? 
No, those are really great questions. I know it, it sounds it, it is alarming, but just to put it into context, so group A strep is very common. Most infections are going to be very mild, so strep throat, scarlet fever. Some are going to be moderate, sort of the hospitalized, really severe cases of pneumonia or complicated head and neck infections. And then a very small percentage are going to be the severe invasive group A strep. And the two kinds we worry the most about are one is a really bad skin condition that's that commonly is called flesh-eating disease or necrotizing fasciitis that progresses really, really quickly. And the other kind is toxic shock, where there is so much strep in the system that it just overwhelms the body system. And the challenge and the reason there's such a high fatality is that it progresses so quickly. So within hours, it can lead to mortality. And so that figure you quoted is actually quite accurate. And it's one of the reasons that we in infectious diseases, we jump on these cases. Um, We come into hospital, we don't wait because when we have a high suspicion of invasive strep, we need to act very, very, very quickly. And so it is a high mortality, and it's one of the cases, the type of cases in infectious diseases that we worry the most about, but it's a very small percentage of the overall cases of group A strep. We have a very, um, very, very sad interview on uh, cbc.ca this week, um, a mother who said that, that she didn't feel that she'd reacted quickly enough. Um, the symptoms seemed so benign, and her, her child seemed to be okay for such a long time. And then suddenly, within 15 hours, everything changed. Now, that's really got to strike a chord of fear in the heart of anyone who's caring for a child or somebody who's immunocompromised. What are the symptoms that we need to look at? Because we are living right now in the, it is winter, everybody's hacking and, and sneezing. And there's, you know, it, it's it's a, a time where it's very easy to, to think that you've picked up something very, very serious. When do we have to take this seriously? Does it sounds like time is of the essence if you do actually have this infection? It is. And I'll be honest, a lot of the job is up to us as doctors. When we're seeing these cases, we're taking these phone calls to really make that diagnosis and to, to have the alarm. But there's a couple of, I think, red flags and a couple of things key people can be reassured about. The first thing is group A strep is not the common cold. So if you have cold symptoms, runny nose, congestion, pink eye, and those are the cold, and it's very unlikely to be group A strep. Strep throat in and of itself is really sore throat, difficulty swallowing, fever, but you don't usually have those other viral symptoms, so the cough, the congestion, the runny nose. And what usually happens with invasive group A strep is that it's secondary, it happens after a bad viral infection. So maybe you had influenza or the flu, you got better, but then about two to three weeks later, that bacteria, which you might've also had in your throat becomes invasive. So one thing to watch out for is after a cold, you've gotten better, you get worse. So you get a secondary infection, that could be signs of something serious. And then the second thing are the clinical side. So parents know their children, if at any point, and they're really non-responsive. They seem to be having very high fever. And again, usually after a viral illness, this fever is persisting for three or more days. They look very unwell, or they have what we call a scarlatiniform rash, a really typical sandpaper rash, or just really an overall, uh, we call sunburn-like rash. Those are, are signs that it could be group A strep. So I urge people not to hesitate if they have those signs, but not to worry if they have common cold-like symptoms. I want to go to a caller on the line now. Gregory Liverpool is joining us from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Gregory, um, I'm going to pass you over to, to Dr. Uh, Kakar. You have a question about vaccinations. Yes, it's a straightforward question. I'm just because I could bet you uh, a lot of people are freaking out uh, of this is, is in the, ch- in the uh, chain in terms of viral and bacterial infections since we came off of COVID and we have long COVID and we have 
RSV and all that, and, and the common flu bug going around. So I'm thinking with this going around in the chamber, do we need to think about having uh, mass vaccinations such, such as you had with the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and stuff? So. No, that's, that's a great thought. Unfortunately, group A strep is a really complicated bacteria and we don't have a vaccine for it. But I'm really glad you raised that question because what's happening is that people are getting COVID or RSV or influenza and then group A strep is happening after that. And a lot of people aren't vaccinated for uh, COVID this season or influenza this season, and even the RSV vaccine that's available for older seniors. So one good way to prevent getting invasive group A strap is to prevent that virus first. So if you're not up to date for COVID, influenza, RSV, those would be good vaccines to get. But unfortunately for group A strap, we don't have a vaccine yet, and there's none then imminent follow- on the pipeline. Then my follow-up question is why we do not have the vaccines at, at this disposal since we basically developed COVID uh, vac- vaccines in a very fat, lightning fast-paced type of situation. Yeah, no, it's a great question. It's it's really the, that it's a complicated bacteria with a capsule that's really hard to provide adequate vaccination again. So it's really the microbiology of the bacteria. And there have been people working on this vaccine for years, but it's a very difficult vaccine because there are so many different serotypes that it's really hard um, to have one. But there are many different groups trying to work on one because not just here, but globally it would have a huge impact if we could reduce the amount that we had. Gregory, thank you so much for your question. We're going to move on to um, Robert Langlois, who is in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, um, who has sent us a text message asking how strep throat is passed from person to person. Yes, good question. Um, It's very close contact. So it is spread through droplets, but you have to be very, very, very close in proximity to people who have group A strep. So someone who has group A strep, hugs, kisses, very close family contacts. And very rarely through surfaces. So if you cough directly on your hands and you're contaminating somebody else. So it's not airborne in the same way that COVID is, that it really passes through large distances. You have to have very close contacts um, and usually household contacts. And most of the time, it's people who've got uh, contact with young children. We've had such good questions today, uh, Dr. Kakar. People are really thoughtful. We've clearly um, come a long way from those those early days of, of fear about viruses and COVID-19. Everybody's become so thoughtful and articulate about how to describe illness. Hey, my name's Jamie Poisson, and I'm the host of FrontBurner. It's the CBC's daily news podcast. And every day we're discussing the big events and fault lines shaping Canada and the world. Politics, economics, social movements, you name it. Sometimes we even talk about really fun stuff like the enduring relevance of Lord of the Rings. You can hear Frontburner on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we're going to go to Robert Brewster next, who is uh, on Vancouver Island. Oh, beautiful, in British Columbia. Um, Robert, what is your question for Dr. Kakar? Oh, good afternoon. Uh, yes, um, I actually uh, had an attack of group A strep. Uh, just over a year ago, just before Christmas, um, just over a year ago. Uh, but it was a skin infection. Um, I, uh, I've um, had eczema and allergies and stuff all my life. I'm a senior. And it started out on Friday. I had a bunch of red bumps on my legs, my knee. By Monday, I was covered in lesions. And I asked my apartment manager to call me a taxi to go to the hospital. She took one look at me and called an ambulance. <laughs> anyway, I spent over a week, oh, about a week in hospital, and then I had to go back twice more, and uh, they were pumping me full of antibiotics. 
uh, it just flared up so quickly. Uh, I thought I was getting a staph infection, which I've suffered before, but it just blew up so quick. Uh, it's a very dangerous disease. Uh, mostly I hear them talking about children getting it, but seniors can get it, and it can be a skin infection, and it can be awful. <laughs> I'm still suffering the effects, probably from long-term antibiotics as well. So. I'm just curious, uh, is there anything can be done to, um, uh, well, uh, anyway, uh, people with um, eczema and such should be warned that it's also dangerous to them, to seniors. Most of the coverage I've heard so far is uh, children. You make such a good point, Robert, and thank you so much for bringing the seniors' experience into the conversation. Um, If I could frame a question for you, it sounds to me like you'd like to know um, what can be done to avoid some of the skin infection that you're describing. Would that be fair to a fair summary of what you're looking to find out from Dr. Kakar? Well, I'm just curious why it blew up so quick. I've never had a group A strep infection before. And it blew up like over the course, like I said, Friday I had uh, red bumps coming off my leg. By Tuesday I was covered in lesions. You're you're laughing, but it it must have been quite an ordeal. Um, Well, yeah, it was sort of. (laughs) Dr. Kakar, if I could let you lean into the conversation with some of the knowledge that you have to answer uh, Robert's questions. Absolutely. And I'm glad he raised the point of older adults and seniors. I'm a pediatrician, so I focus on kids, but it does affect older adults. And the older adults it tends to affect are those with skin conditions. So eczema, breakdown, or sometimes diabetes and really poor circulation. Um, Some of your older listeners might remember former Quebec Premier Lucien Bouchard, who actually had his leg amputated from invasive group A strap. He had necrotizing fasciitis, flesh-eating disease, and it had just progressed so quickly that it led to that. So I'm really glad in your case it was limited to the skin, but that's what happened. So this bacteria is really particular in that it produces a toxin, and it's this toxin that starts to degrade the skin and the muscle and really attack it very quickly. And so it's the toxin production that's really particular to this type of bacteria that makes things go so quickly. So in your case, it's the skin. It starts to break down the skin barriers and get it sometimes get into the the tissue and the fascia. Um, And then if it gets into the bloodstream and produces the the systemic, that causes the shock and that toxic shock. So it's really particular to this and another type of bacteria that produce these toxins that make it spread so quickly. Um, And I really like the point you raised about people with eczema and skin conditions, especially those who have contact with young children, because you want to be vigilant for these types of infections that progress quickly. So to keep your eczema under control and to do everything you can for really good skin care, you know, the topical treatments, people with diabetes to be really vigilant about skin breakdown and skin necrosis. And it's something we tend to overlook in these dry Canadian winters, but it it is a big issue and eczema does tend to flare in these few months that that are the most severe. So really trying to minimize that and, and then to just be on the lookout. So as exactly as you described, a skin infection that progresses really quickly but also that can be very, very painful. And sometimes the pain is out of proportion to the size of the infection. You might have a little red dot or a few red bumps, but your entire hand is hurting. That could be something, a sign of something more serious like group A strep. Dr. Kakar, thank you so much. Robert, thank you for your really thoughtful questions and also telling us a lot about your own situation. I think a lot of people can can relate to that and what important information about what symptoms to pay attention to. Um, because we do do that, don't we, Dr. Kakar? We, we look at our, our skin or we look at something that doesn't feel good. And if it doesn't appear to be quite serious, we can sometimes um, negate how, how serious it is before we ever reach out for that help. Absolutely. And I think adults do that more than they do for their kids. But I think, again, 
pain out of proportion to sort of the size or the look of the infection and things that are spreading quickly, even in adults, please don't hesitate to consult. We're going to go now to Jack, Jack Slatnik. Hello, Jack. Yes. Hi there. You're joining us from Nordic, Alberta, and I'm wondering what your question is for Dr. Kakar. Oh, hi. Yeah. Um, hi, Dr. Kakar. Um, I, I, I'm just wondering, and I, <clears throat> maybe I missed, missed this part because I was driving when the, the, um, the talk started, but what, what's the, do we know what's the reason for that increase in the number of infections? I was just thinking because uh, from what I think, it's usually either the, the bacteria mutates and become more aggressive or invasive, or the second reason might be that we as, as humans, we do something wrong and this is, that's why the, the bacteria attacks our bodies more. So uh, I don't that's know. A, Jack, that's an know? excellent question um, about, about where and where this is coming from and how we, if at all, we are contributing to it. Um, Dr. Kakar, how would you answer that? Oh, these are these are terrific questions, and it really shows how well people are understanding bacteria and viruses now. And we're still trying to understand it. And I think in infectious diseases, sometimes it takes a year or two after the outbreak for us to really pinpoint the factors. But what we're looking at is, I think, three different things. Um, the first is that this started last year. So this started really post-COVID when all of our uh, infection control barriers went down and people went back down to normal life. And the first trigger was just that viral surge we had last fall because these invasive infections and these secondary infections tend to occur after a viral infection. So it really began last year. And one of the things is that has happened is that we just have not brought it under control. So usually we have a, a peak and then in the spring, summer months, it decreases, but it really stayed fairly constant this entire summer. So our thinking is that it's just, we haven't uh, stopped the interperson transmission. Um, so that's one of the, the, the two biggest factors. The other factors, we're looking at the bacteria itself. And some strains produce more toxin or a number of toxigenic. So anytime we have um, an invasive strain, it is being sent to the lab for typing, but those results take many weeks. So we don't have results on this year's strain yet. It could well be that this year's strain is particularly more uh, toxigenic, but I don't have that data yet. Um, and then if I can say a fourth thing, which again, we have no data to say if this contributes to it, but some people do tend to stop antibiotics before um, they're, they're prescribed to. So for example, for group A strep, if you have the infection, it's a good 10 days of antibiotics, but some people will stop it as soon as they're feeling better. And what that means is that you might be feeling better, there might be less bacteria, but you might have not gotten rid of that carrier state and therefore can really transmit it back to somebody else. So if I can give any um, a plug is to just finish the course of antibiotics that you're prescribed to minimize the risk that you become a carrier and transmit that to someone else. Dr. Kakar, you've given us such good information. We have only about a minute left, and I just want to ask you: When a lot of people, a lot of people, when they hear about a virus or a bacterial infection spreading, it triggers all that thinking about the COVID nineteen pandemic. How contagious is Strep A in comparison to COVID? 
Great question. Not nearly as contagious as COVID, especially in open spaces and workspaces and public transport, those kind of things. It's really intrafamilial, close contact schools and daycares, but really children of a very young age who aren't able to control their secretions. So I do want to reassure people that uh, people are going about having their normal lives. They're not going to catch group A strap just by being out and about. It's really through close contact. And there are lots of precautionary measures. And I think just going back to the basis, basics, you know, hand washing, um, if you're going to be sick, if you are sick, to wear mm -hmm. a mask to limit your contacts, those things can reduce the spread. So I don't want people fearing that the this group A strap is going to be like another COVID. It's not. It's something we know how to deal with, but just to take basic precautions. Dr. Fatima Kakar, thank you so much. You've been so informative today. Oh, I'm very glad. That was a portion of Cross Country Checkup's AMA about invasive group A strep. Dr. Fatima Kakar is a pediatric infectious diseases specialist at St. Justine Hospital and an associate professor in pediatrics at the University of Montreal. If you would like to listen to yesterday's full two-hour edition of Cross Country Checkup, you can stream the podcast on the CBC Listen app. And if you want to share comments or you want to appear on the show, go to cbc.ca slash aircheck. I'm Saroja Coelho. Thanks for listening. The next live edition of Checkup airs on CBC Radio, CBC News Network, and CBC News Explore next Sunday. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.